Hello, everybody. You're listening to So Many Sequels. I am Josh. I am Andrew. I'm Garrett, and I'm really excited to be here to talk about this love story about the one that got away. Yeah. Oh. Uh, about it, it makes sense. Full disclosure up front, we are talking about uh, Halloween 2018. The movie just came out a little bit ago, so there will absolutely be spoilers in this episode. This is your one and only warning. From here on out, it's Spoiler City. Spoilers! In this version of Halloween, uh, all the others, except the first one, are deleted. Bye-bye. See you later. Backspace, backspace, backspace. Aha. Highlight. Delete. All gone. This is a direct sequel to the original film by John John Carpenter that came out in the 70s. It is 40 years later. 40 years to the day, Halloween night. It's also been 40 years since Halloween came out. It's uh, 1978. That's 40 years, right? Yep. In this one, we see Laurie Strode has become uh, almost, not almost, obsessed with the idea of Michael Myers escaping prison and coming to find her. And she must protect herself and her family. Uh, She's kind of been ostracized from society. Uh, she lost custody of her daughter when she was young. She, her daughter is now an, uh, an adult with her own daughter. Uh, Lori's daughter is uh, played by Judy Greer. Obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis returns as Lori in this one. Um, and Michael escapes. Go figure. Go figure. They couldn't have it, have it without him escaping. So Michael is back on the run again, trying to hunt down Lori. But Lori is also trying to hunt down Michael. And that's where we are. Rule number one. Don't ever put psychotic serial killers on buses and transport them (laughs) in the night. Yeah. A lot of poor choices were made, not only in this movie, but in the original in terms of how you handle this type of situation. But, you know, that's show business, folks. (laughs) We wouldn't have a movie if we didn't have that. Yeah, we open in uh, in the prison where Michael is being held now. He is... uh, Days away from being transferred to another facility where he will spend the rest of his days uh, locked up. And a uh, pair of investigative journalists, which is their fancy way of saying they make a podcast, are at the prison to try to talk to Michael, who has still not ever spoken since he was a child. Not spoken at all since the the babysitter murders in the 70s. And they're trying to do their true crime podcast about him. One of the things that, so there have been, obviously a lot of podcasts have been talking about this movie, like pop culture podcasts that I listen to, and they were talking about the portrayal of podcasters in this movie, and how it was like, they don't have the right equipment, they're out and about doing their narration in cars and not doing this stuff right, The and I don't care about all that, nobody really cares about all that, but the one thing that did bother me is is they're supposed to be journalists and they paid Lori for the interview and they don't do and journalists don't do that. But also, it it seems like, and I think this was a conscious decision because we'll get it throughout the themes of the movie. But one thing that the podcasters did was they picked at Lori and her life and all of the the trauma and the problems that she had gone through. But they tried to humanize Michael Myers to an extent. They tried to like reason it and they tried to give him a a happy ending i guess because they wanted to bring them together and and do all of this stuff and it's just it's just ugh, it made my skin crawl the way they picked at all the things that she did of like well you have all of these problems you're not great and it was just ugh, made me upset i didn't like it yeah they uh the journalists were not very good at jur- being journalists they were not uh uh, they did not have a, a solid moral compass, as you would say. Uh, I mean, before we get to the uh, the classic Halloween opening credits, uh, it le- what leads into that is one of the journalists screaming at Michael Myers to say something mm-hmm. while he's waving his old mask in front of him. It's wrong on so many levels. Well, here's the thing. He stood behind him. Why didn't you just go to the front? Go in front of his face. Like, he's yelling and screaming at his back. Go mm-hmm. If you want to really, like, you don't have to scream at him, but, like, go to the front, meet him face-to-face, show him the mask, and then see what happens. Maybe he charges you. That'd be good for your podcast. No, because it's a podcast. Well, no I mean, one you would see it. it. That's true. You'd hear it. But one thing that, so, there's a, throughout this month, as we've been doing our Halloween tribute, 
There's another podcast that I highly recommend called uh, Halloween Unmasked. And they kind of get into the history of Halloween and whatnot. And in their final episode, they talk to some of the filmmakers about this movie. And what I liked about it is the way that the females are portrayed. They talk about how this movie undoes everything, which was smart. And the way they compare it is like Christopher Nolan's Batman doesn't take away from the Michael Keaton Batman and the Tim Burton Batmans and, and all of the other Batmans. It's just a reimagining. And so when they first came out and were like, this is going to be a direct sequel to Halloween, I was like, how are they going to do that? But it just makes sense. And they made this movie about the effects that it had on Lori. Her being a victim. And they there are small references to like the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement throughout the movie. So they... But they've got all of these uh, messages and, and these things like that about how people don't understand how something so traumatic can stay with somebody throughout their whole life. And, and just there's so many people that are like, why don't you just let go of it? Why don't you just let go of it? And she is uh, admittedly got some problems. But in the end, she was right. And in the end, she stood up and she was strong. And she, they beat his ass at the end. It was, I, I really liked the way that they, they got rid of all of the other stuff and brought it back to the original and, and made a strong message out of it. Mm -hmm. Now you pretty much hit the nail on the head because uh, one of the things I loved about this movie was that Jamie Lee Curtis is back in action. I've, you've not seen too much of Jamie Lee Curtis in the last few years. And I'm glad that she's back and she's still doing stuff for number one. Number two, she kicked ass she kicked ass in this movie. And I think she did a great job of going coming full circle here with when it comes to the Halloween movies. Because in the first one, as you said earlier, her character just wasn't I mean, her character was a central character, but her character just wasn't developed right. And I think one of the things about this movie is is that they took its time and they developed the characters. I, I I applaud the writing very much here. Yeah, in the in the secondary timeline, Laurie's story gets very muddy. Uh, it, it really gets uh, kind of reset twice because in one of the mini sequels, she's killed in a car crash, and she is brought back to life basically for Halloween H two O, and they explain that away as her faking her death. And now she gets to come face to face with Michael again. And that's kind of the idea they took with, with Halloween 2018, but they did it right. They made their meeting the right way this time. So, yeah, I would agree that they did a much better job with the character than they did in, in the previous timeline. Well, and so they talked in one of the interviews that I listened to, the, the filmmakers talked about all of the things that they wanted to ignore. And if you think about, you know, and this is something that I wish horror movies would consider, is that you don't have to have a movie connect in every single way. So the problem with this franchise that I can tell, the, the, the first mistake they made was making Laurie a Michael's sister. That's something I don't think John Carpenter was like liked. But it was just something that they did to connect it. And then, because of that, every movie had to do with Lori or the Strode family. So, in the movies that Lori wasn't in, it was like her niece or some... I don't remember what Halloween 4 was. But it was, it was somehow connected to the family and you pigeonhole yourself into that kind of a story is it has to connect to, to Lori and it has to connect to this and it has to connect to the family and it has to be blah, 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 blah. With this, they're no longer related and it goes back to the just evil essence of Michael Myers because he is a crazy, psychopathic serial killer who can kill anyone. It doesn't have to be a mission to murder his family. It doesn't have to be a mission to murder people connected to Lori. He can kill anybody, and that makes him scarier. And he, I, I made the joke about getting the one that got away. Like, sure, he in this movie, he's still going after Lori because she's the one that got away. 
And because she's the reason that he's in jail, but it also, if he were to have succeeded, and they're obvious, I mean, this movie's been a success, they will likely make another one in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, Michael didn't die. But it doesn't have to have Lori in it. It can go a different route. It can follow the granddaughter. She seems to be someone who might take it over. But he doesn't have to have a connection. He can go amongst and find a whole new victim and escape and however he wants because they undid all of that. So now he has no connection and he can just be his wild, crazy serial killer self. And that's scary. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'll be, I'm very interested to see how they go forward with it because I'm uh, 99% sure that they will. Because while they did take out the the blood relation between Michael and Lori, that relationship of time is still there. The fact that he wanted to hunt her down after 40 years connects them in a way. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would be surprised to see them throw that away and have him move on to like somebody brand new because that's such a intense motivation to 40 years think about how you didn't get her or or whatever his motivation is because quite frankly we don't really even know that we're just assuming it because it seems likely but there's still no explanation for why michael does what he does and that's what i like the most that's why i like him so much as a character you can only assume he's trying to hunt her down because he couldn't get her, but damn, who knows? Right. He don't. He's, he doesn't speak. He refuses to speak. Mm-hmm. And while, you know, we see that that is clearly on his mind with the fact that he goes to her secluded home, he is in no hurry to do that no. in the movie. No. He still just wanders through the neighborhood killing aimlessly in homes. So it's like you just can't figure him out. You yeah, you cannot figure him out. You don't technically know that he's going after Lori. It could just be one of those things where it was like a happenstance where she interfered in his murdering. How rude. <laughs> and and he saw her and was like, oh, she's still around. Okay, this is fun. I was just going to murder people, but now I can go after her again because... Yeah, there's no proof that he was just on a mission to get her. He was just on the mission to get. And he did that until she showed up at the the house where the girl was babysitting the kid. Who? The kid? Smartest character in the movie. Yep, he noped right out. Absolutely the smartest character. He said, Dave, you're going to get killed and ran. <laughs> he, and then Dave got killed. And then Dave got killed. And you know what I liked about this? So there's the character Dave I didn't like. And I think that they made reference to his dad being Tommy from the first one. I'm not confident in that. But somebody is the son of Tommy from the original one. And I thought that was a nice little throw. I just can't remember who it was. But uh, was they, a- they set up the rules... Suppose, well, I thought I thought it was Ca- uh, Cameron. It may have been was Cameron. the son of Lonnie. It may have been Cameron, the douchebaggy kid who threw the threw the phone and the punch. Yeah, that kid. Yeah, but what I liked is they said in the original one it spurred all of these rules about uh, if you have sex in a horror movie you're gonna die and the virgins live and whatever, whatever, whatever. What they did in this movie is they that the Dave guy got a tattoo of ten thirty one eighteen, and in one of the interviews that I heard, they were insinuating because of that that Dave was the virgin in this scenario, and that the girl that he was dating was going to take that from him on that night. So they kind of threw those rules to the wind because they killed Dave, who was supposed to be a virgin. He didn't do anything on that night and it was just kind of a middle finger to all these supposed rules that people said that this original movie set up and and they ran with and I, I liked that little we're not here to do this we're gonna do it our way we're gonna change it around and they had a lot of gender there was a kid who was like a big fan of dance and they made that a part of the movie and they just threw these little things in there to modernize it and I really liked the messaging the writing, I really enjoyed the story that they told and the little nuggets that they just threw in there from time to time. I just liked, what I really, really liked about this was the character of Michael Myers was, again, absolute. I loved how we don't know anything about his backstory. 
We still don't know anything about his backstory. He's just pure evil. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes Michael Myers, especially in this movie in particular, that much more, that much more just, just evil. I can't put a better, I can't put a better word on that because he's just, you know, he's not terrifying. Excuse me? Hold on, hold on. (laughs) He's not like any more terrifying, but Mm -hmm. he's not any less terrifying. Mm -hmm. Like he's still got the, He's still got it after all these years, even though he's been locked up for 40 years. Right. Yeah. um, We hear an an audio recording of the late Dr. Loomis explaining further how uh, not only is Michael evil, but he should be killed. He should be put to death. He should be uh, burned. He should be completely burned. Incinerated. Incinerated. And his ashes should be disposed of. Like, he shouldn't just... He should be destroyed, was Dr. Loomis's argument. So, yeah. Because we've learned from the first movie and from the timeline, the secondary timeline, that while it's not canon anymore, but it still borrows from, that Michael does not just die. So you, it's not simply enough to kill Michael Myers. You must destroy him. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool and made it extra scary. Made him extra scary. Yeah. The uh, There's a new doctor in this movie who has been fascinated with Michael Myers his entire life, basically. He, I think he, did he train under Loomis? He was Dr. Loomis' like assistant for yeah. years. He lobbied to have Michael Myers as his patient. He worked with him for all of these times. And they're transferring him, Michael Myers, out of this Dr. Sartain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, out of his care, and he's he's really trying to figure out Michael Myers. The biggest twist of this movie came when Hawkins, who's the main sheriff's deputy, is looking for Michael Myers. It's got Hawkins, the doctor, and Allison. Yeah, in the back seat of the car, he Hawkins runs over Michael Myers. The doctor gets out to check, see if he's alive. He's like, oh, you killed him. And the 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 deputy, second smartest character in this movie, tells the doctor to get out of the way so he can blow his head off. And then the doctor, out of nowhere, who's been helping them track Michael Myers this whole time, pulls out a scalpel and stabs the sheriff right, or the deputy, right in the neck. Twists that came out of nowhere scared me a little bit because, not because of the movie... But because I, he has insinuated that he's trying to understand the mind of the serial killer and and get to the core of of Michael Myers' issues and and whatever caused whatever happened to him. It was a very unpredictable moment. It was. But what scared me is that I also have a weird fascination with serial killers and want to understand the mind of them because it's just fascinating to me how they can think that way because it doesn't make sense to me because they're all messed up in the head and I just want to understand. And so whenever he did that, I was like, oh no, that could be me, but I'm not going to murder anybody. I don't have that problem. I just like to understand how people think. And he took it too far. He gives people like me a bad name. I could say that no one is more scared of that than Andrew and I. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not wrong. You guys. Have, well, have I'm done. My, I'm going home. Bye. My weird fascination. With, <laughs> That's with why it scares us. True crime and, and the mindset of certain people. I, I bet Dr. Sartain also would have said that he's not going to murder anyone. That's true. But I am not actively working with a serial killer as far as you know. And that's scary. <laughs> it could be. But no, that was a big twist. And I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. And then. It set up another twist where people thought they were working together, and then nope, Michael Myers murdered the shit out of him. That's uh, here's one thing I will say is that the movie doesn't rely purely on blood and gore to get your attention. Although there's plenty in no, this the movie. greatest aspects of Halloween never did. Yeah, you know the original doesn't have a lot of gore, and really the other ones that we watched did not have a lot of gore in comparison to some other films of the time. They were yeah. still fairly tame gore wise. They were violent. They were violent. They were violent. And they get progressively more violent. Yeah. But they weren't quite, um, they weren't saw. Let's put it that way. Oh, hell no. 
well, saw, which which was really when horror like hit the peak of torture porn. Yeah. Well, and and this movie does a really good job of escalating things. So I've seen a lot of mentions of how the first few murders in this movie all happen off screen. You don't see it happen or you see something in the distance, but you can't really see anything. Mm-hmm. And then the first one that you see is when he stabs that woman in the neck in her home. And then from there, they get more and more gruesome and violent. But it starts I, I would say off the, slow I would say the first high. one that you say is when he strangles the child in the car. Oh, yeah, okay. But then, yeah. Well, I forgot but about... that one's not gory. That one's just, I mean... It's death. No, but so, that that to yeah. me is when the when the escalation, escalation starts, starts. So, because yeah, yeah, in the in the, like the auto shop, um, you don't see him kill the mechanic, but you can see in the background the punching. Yeah, so you can't see; you can just see a little bit, and then the other guy you just see already dead. Same goes for the podcasters in the bathroom. You don't you see you him see. strangle her in her feet. Yeah, but yeah, well, yeah, it I mean, does slowly slowly grow from there you see him bash the other podcasters head into the door yeah let's talk about these the bloody mess. these kills while we're on it um some of them are fairly creative mm-hmm. uh the one in particular i wanted to well, there's two in particular i wanted to try to figure out because we do not see the kill but they're so grotesque i'm very curious the first the the uh, i'll call him a clerk because i don't know what else he is the clerk in the mechanic shop is uh his jaw is Wild when yeah. he finds him, his I can't describe it. I don't think it's his unhinged. jaw is like definitely unhinged and like hanging weird. And also, Michael took a handful of his teeth. How? What? <laughs> what happened there? The only thing I can think of is if he like got behind him and just ripped his jaw like up and down. Yeah, that <laughs> like yeah. that torture mask in Saw, where it's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah, he, I don't know why he took the teeth. I, I don't. Maybe it's just extra. Like, whenever he ripped it, dramatic it just came flair. Out. Yeah. Uh, I, this is out of order, but it's the other one I definitely wanted to talk about. Is at toward the end when he kills the two cops and leaves them in their car, and one of the heads has been turned into a flashlight jack o' lantern. Yeah. How did he do that? Because it was like so his quickly. eyeballs were gone. His uh, his facial orifices were empty enough to have a light shine through it. Yeah. But you also didn't get a good enough look to see if his head was completely severed. Right. Or what. But that was another one where I thought, how did he do that? Yeah. And why? Well, he just peeled the skin off and then he just put Ugh. it into a little, uh, put a little plastic thingy. Because he did... Yeah, so something like that. Uh, I think that's how he did it. Now I'm the one that's scared. <laughs> you just gotta wonder. Another grotesque kill that I can, I can figure out, but I was still like, he went overboard on that one. Was when he stabs Oscar in the back, the 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 drunk teen friend of Allison. He stabs him in the back while he's hanging onto the fence, and mm. then decided that wasn't enough, and put, put his, his put his head through the fence post. So the yeah the 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 spike on the fence is going upward into his lower jaw and then out into outside of his mouth it was wild yeah uh but all that to say this movie's not that gory no No. well and the i think the goriest kill is the one where he squished the doctor's head with his foot oh man yeah danny mcbride said that the state this is the stage direction that they put in this from the first draft to the very end quote michael myers smashes his face and his brains shit out. <laughs> that is the stage direction that they gave for that particular <laughs> And they said that is the one thing that never changed in the draft. Yeah, that uh, that, as, as, that was like a, a jaw-dropping moment of grossness. Mm-hmm. But it was also the one, the one kill in the movie where I was like, well, that ain't how that would work. No, that's not. <laughs> that ain't how that would work. But but I missed. It. But it was it was like a damn. I, yeah, we were uh, we saw this on the night it came out, yeah. and there was a lot of reaction to it. I mean, there, <laughs> I mean, amongst other things, that was one of the th- that was one of the few things that got the most reaction. Yeah, was the, was the head stomping. A great movie to see with a lively crowd. Yeah. So we mentioned a couple times Danny McBride. Danny McBride co-wrote the script with the director and another writer. He's mostly known for his comedy work, obviously. Uh, Eastbound and Down and Pineapple Express and uh, Vice Principals on HBO. Very funny guy. 
I don't I don't know his writing filmography that well. I don't know what kind of writing he's done, but I don't know that he's done a horror movie before. Before this one, I thought he did a great job with it. Oh yeah, I felt like the scene in particular that was that felt like Danny McBride's voice was the uh, the little boy that Vicky was babysitting. Though I felt like every line from I know y'all talking about smoking weed, <laughs> I could hear it in Danny's voice. Yeah, and I loved that. Well, yeah. that that kid, and then the two police officers who were talking about their lunch, the, ba- the, the bonnies, yeah. yeah, that was really funny. And Danny McBride, and I think one of the the things that is interesting is that he has said there's a lot of similarities between horror and comedy in that it doesn't get a lot of respect. Um, and horror and comedy are both about setups and payoffs, mm-hmm. and so you can set a uh, kill up. And then you have to pay off and you can set a joke up and then you have to pay off and you can put humor in a horror movie and it still be a horror movie. And I think this movie does a great job of putting actual humor in there with the kid who's being babysat with the police officers who are bantering about their lunch, because you can just see that being a real situation and they're just sitting they're on a stakeout. They got to keep themselves busy. They're partners. So they're obviously very familiar with each other. They're they're bantering and and that's something that would happen and it's funny but then immediately it turns back to something scary and that's is that is a brilliant way to take people out of it give them a dose of reality and then boom hit them with something terrifying. I love the concept of a of a horror movie that has comedy because of because of all those reasons of, of how they connect but also because um, laughter puts laughter makes you comfortable. It gives you a false sense of security in a movie like that. And also, what do people do when they're afraid? They laugh. People laugh when they're afraid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to put comedy into a horror movie, it really throws you off as an audience member because you're awkwardly laughing because you're scared. Then you're genuinely laughing because something funny. And then before you know it, somebody gets a knife through their neck and you're terrified again. It is a roller coaster yeah. because you just get so yanked around emotionally in a horror comedy, a comedy horror that it is. Yeah. I think it's, I think only the best can pull that off. Yeah. I think, I also think that this is what makes this movie more fun because you don't in a horror movie, you can expect, I mean, it's just because kind of taking what you just said there in a horror movie, you're kind of expecting something horrible. I mean, Horrible, no pun intended, to happen. What? But like, you, you know, do. you're expecting some, you're expecting somebody to get killed in a in a very gruesome way, and yeah, that just that that just that sets it up it sets it up in a good way, but also makes it very unpredictable. So, I will say, in the last few years, horror movies have gotten smarter in their writing. Right. And this is just a prime example of that. On the, and I'm, on, gl- I'm glad they did. Th- I'm on, glad they did that. So. On this note, we had you know one of the biggest horror movies of the last few years, and definitely of last year. Get Out was written by by Jordan Peele, who is well known for his comedy. It had humorous aspects to it, but it was also absolutely terrifying. Yep. So, I uh, maybe maybe more comedy writers should consider horror from sure. time to time. Yeah, I'd be on board with that. Can we talk? Wait, we we mentioned it a little bit, but we go ahead. Oh well, uh, just to, again, just to say, uh, the movie A Quiet Place was written by John Krasinski, yeah. who mm-hmm. got his start in comedy yeah. with The Office. Yeah, and then and now he's trying to be an action star. See how that works out. Yeah, people like Jack Ryan. Let's talk about the women because this movie is loaded with strong female characters, and it's awesome. Hell yeah! Laurie Strode is obviously badass, but I think. That the most interesting character is Judy Greer's because she is a badass sneakily in that she went through a lot of crap with Lori. She came out of it strong, independent. She got into fights with her mother, but she was able to get through those issues. She was taken away by the state. She lived her own life. She's married. She has a kid. She stands up to her mom. She does her own thing and in the back of her mind she still is able to hold on to all of those things 
that she was taught as a kid, and that comes together at the end of this movie when Laurie Strode has been taken out of the picture for the time being by Michael Myers. She, Judy Greer's character, Karen, and her daughter, Allison, are in the basement of the house. Michael Myers is about to find them in the basement, and she's got a gun, and because of the way they've built her character up, you could. She starts crying and is screaming, I can't do it, I can't do it. And you easily believe that that is the truth and that Laurie Strode is going to come back and save her. And then she's baiting Michael this whole time. Yep. And he comes up to the stairs and she just goes, gotcha, and shoots him in the head. It was amazing and I loved it. It was a sneaky badassery that was just so good. Because I totally thought that she was going to be able like... Crumble under the pressure because that's not what she wanted to believe. And that Lori was going to come out of the middle of nowhere. Shot him in the head and then Lori was in the in the dark that said, Happy Halloween, Michael. And then they all three kicked his ass, trapped him in the basement and set the whole thing on fire. It was a, it was a perfect ending, I thought. Yep. I, I don't have anything else to say about that. Yeah. No, I, I agree. That's it. Because the thing is, is that it's it was a great ending to it. Um... I don't think Michael Myers is dead. He can't be dead. He's got to come back for the trilogy. Let's look. Let's fast forward and predict the future a little bit. Where do we go from here? So, we have in in this world that we have previously lived in with Michael Myers. The timeline you don't know the years, and you don't know what relates to what, and who relates to who, and which one comes after which one because it's all a convoluted mess. Um. You know that H2O is the 20-year anniversary. So you have that. But then there's like Halloween Resurrection after that. And you don't... <sighs> but Michael Myers never seems to age either. In this one, there is aging. Yeah. Michael Myers is older. You see him. You see that he is older. You see that Laurie Strode is older. She's aged. She has a daughter. She has a granddaughter. So... Eventually, if they keep making these movies, Michael Myers can't live forever. Why? Because he's a human. He is a human in these movies now. He's aged. He's not supernatural. All of that stuff is gone. That doesn't exist in this timeline. Unless they decide to go. I think I don't. I would. But it, it may not be explicitly said, but. He is he is shown to be more. I think he's shown to be a bit more than human. I mean, he gets he gets run shot over. in the head. He gets, shot he in gets the head. run over, yeah. like, and still gets up. Sure, he gets stabbed. And that's where I question: Is he human? I think that if I mean if if this core group of people stays with the movie and they decide to go that route, I think they'll do it in a good way. But what if what if they throw it in a loop? that you don't expect. So here's, after seeing this movie for the second time, here's a prediction. Way out in left field. Let's just throw this out there. Okay. At the very end of this movie, it ends when you see all three women in the back of a truck, and Allison has a bloody butcher knife that she had stabbed Michael Myers with. Oh, I'm so mad about where you're going with this. Yep. What if... I hate it. I hate it. I already know and I hate it. <laughs> I'm not a fan of it, but I'm just throwing different scenarios Go out Go ahead. Say it. What if... Eventually, what Allison went through traumatized her to an extent to where she, instead of becoming like her mother or like Lori, goes down a different path and ends up being a Michael Myers-esque type person. So I don't, I don't know if you... Should be a Michelle Myers. If you know this, because I don't, I don't believe you watched it, but that's, that's essentially Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Oh, is it? No, I have not seen that in very, very long time. Yep. Oh, so Laurie becomes Michael Myers? You know, not not quite like that, but she goes down a darker path. Ah, no, that's upsetting then. I don't want that. I don't want any kind of rehash of anything <laughs> Rob Zombie related my, to this. My only thing, that I, my only thing that I would say, if if it could continue, if it could continue. It will. Oh yeah, it, it made a hundred million dollars in eight days. Uh, it will continue if maybe twenty years down the line, if they set it down that way, uh, 
if they if well, it'll Michael be in one to two years. Sure, <laughs> but but I mean just like twenty years into the future. Okay, I mean we're if we're talking this timeline. Sure. If Michael comes back, and He'd goes be like and, eighty, and goes after goes after is it Karen? Karen, the daughter, the daughter, the daughter's Karen. The Karen granddaughter Allison, is Allison. Yeah, Allison yeah. is the one that I feel like he'd go after. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, Lori just pops up and kills him, like for good, with her walker. With yeah, her walker, I mean, she'd be. They both be in their eighties, roughly. In twenty years, yeah. Yeah, if they fast forward it that far into the future, age doesn't matter to Michael Myers. No, it would it to, does Lori. to Lori, but it, I, we have no reason to believe it matters to Michael. Because yeah, while we we do not get a a good look at his face in this, we can tell he's an older man. Yeah, he's an older but guy. he sure don't move like an older man. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I I think they have to be very very careful with how they move forward with this because it will be easy to fall into a a trap of repeating what's already been done or opening up cans of worms that just muddy the story even more. But here's the thing. They've set up a world now, and I and I certainly hope that other people in the future take this and run with it. There's no reason to continue along a timeline. Like, if you don't like... So take um, Friday the 13th. Take Nightmare on Elm Street. They've got so many movies in their franchise that people have tried to incorporate into the lore. Stop it. Go back to the beginning. Yep. And and branch off and go in a different route. Take this. If if you if you're a filmmaker and you're a fan of these movies and you want to see the genre come back, take what they've done and go with it. This is the first good Halloween movie. I didn't see Halloween two. Would you say Halloween two is good? Yeah. Okay. So this fine. is the, this is the first good Halloween movie connected to Michael Myers since Halloween two. The original Halloween two. All of the other ones have not been great. They've been cliche. They, Depending on who you talk to. Yeah. <laughs> some people really love some of those. Yeah. Well. Some people really love some of them. But this is like this is a good movie with a story that keeps you intrigued that keeps you going and there's no reason that other filmmakers have to continue along the stupid lore that has been connected and incorporate every single thing that those movies have done go out and branch off and do your own thing and start something else and and they could but I'm just making the argument that it will be hard to do that that will not be an easy thing to do no there are I think from what I've read, they're starting to do that with Friday the 13th. I think they're rebooting Friday the 13th. But I'm not even saying reboot because they tried to reboot Nightmare on Elm Street and it failed. Mm -hmm. I'm saying go back to your source, find the pieces that are good, and then go in a different timeline based on the first movie. Because the first movie are the, like, it's hard to remake an iconic movie and, and totally redo it. If it's if it's something like this, like it can be done, but like these movies are so ingrained into pop culture and like horror movie classics, even like a Nightmare and and Friday the Thirteenth, which may not be as solid movies as my, uh, Halloween, but the the horror fans will fight tooth and nail. So like if you try to revamp it completely, you run into a thing of Rob Zombie. So go back to the source material and branch off from there. I, the only thing I'll say about the Rob Zombie is that I think <laughs> Rob Zombie it just fell into the wrong hands because Rob Zombie just tried to Rob Zombie it, but or, like Zack Snyder tries to Zack Snyder anything he's ever done. But I think what the problem is, it did you see the Nightmare reboot? Pits and pieces of it. So they they did a similar thing that Rob Zombie did where they tried to delve more into Freddy's backstory because you can't just remake the same movie. So they tr- the, the, the trope is to go back into the backstory of these crazy serial killer supernatural things and you don't need to do that when there's a movie that already exists. Expand on it. Don't make, like, because if you just remake it shot for shot, it won't be as good as the original. Mm-hmm. And you're setting yourself up for failure because then people are just going to say, well, you didn't do anything new. So then your idea is, well, let's give them a backstory. Well, that takes away some of the fear. So erase all of that. Go to the beginning and then start your own thing in a, se- in a sequel. 
it's funny you mention that because I recently read an interview with John Carpenter about the Rob Zombie remake, and Rob Zom- or, uh, John Carpenter said he was not pleased with the original with the original product that was Rob Zombie's Halloween, and he went so far as to disown it, like he wanted nothing to do with it. Rob Zombie doesn't like or. Um... John Carpenter is not a fan of most of these movies. He didn't. He never wanted to be a horror movie director. He wanted to be a western director. Sure. And so I can see that it, when when Jason Blum, who's the Blumhouse Productions, is the one that has the rights to this now, went to him and was like, "I want to do a Halloween movie." He was like, "No, but they've all sucked. Why? Well, I don't want to be a part of it." And so the pitch eventually got him on board but like yeah john carpenter's not a big fan of most of these movies where i think they run into trouble going forward is if they tr- if they take a risk and try to diverge from having from having laurie in the movie or someone in her family i think that's where it gets really messy because when you look at in the past, when whenever they tried to reinvigorate reinvigorate the story, they brought back Jamie Lee Curtis, and I think that's because Michael Myers needs her and she needs him mm-hmm. in the story. It's like it's like doing Harry Potter without Voldemort. Yeah, you need Laurie and Michael to do a proper Halloween movie. And so if they try to take the risk and diverge from that, I think that's where they they might run into trouble. And I don't see how much longer they can keep doing Laurie and Michael, Laurie and Michael. But I think they are so ingrained and connected to each other that it would be very hard to separate them. Sure. And I think that that's you, my that's my argument. I think you could do Laurie, <laughs> um, Michael and either Judy, uh, Judy Greer's character, Karen, or Allison. Allison probably makes more sense. But then you run into the trap of how is that story going to be different than it probably Lori's. wouldn't be, and that's what's that's why I that's why I think this is a really big risky move to keep doing it. I think they will. I know they will. I just am. My hopes for a for a, a third one are lower than this than this one was yeah just because i think it will be very hard mm-hmm. we have anything else or are we going to try to move on to whatever minimal box office stats we have i mean they're still incoming so right right well so jamie lee curtis tweeted some records out the other day that this movie broke and bravo to jamie lee curtis i know i've said that previously but Still yes, low. excellent job in this movie. According to Jamie Lee Curtis's Twitter account, Halloween 2018 is the biggest horror movie opening with a female lead, the biggest movie opening with a female lead over 55, the second biggest October movie opening ever, which we uh, knew was just set by Venom earlier this month, and the biggest Halloween franchise opening ever. So lots of lots of records for this movie. Hit a hundred million dollars in eight days. Uh, it will. It surpassed a hundred million dollars Friday the twenty sixth. So it's killing it. It's expected to. This this podcast will be released on on the Monday before Halloween, and it should be the number one movie for a second week in a row by then. It's wild. Granted that it's October, that doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, but I think it would have done well anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you got to know your market. Yeah. Personal score, I would rank it four and a half out of five knives. Uh, five second, four and a half. I think originally I gave it three and a half, but low. Yeah, but I think after seeing it again, I'm gonna rank. I'm gonna give it four. I really liked it. I liked it a lot, and uh, compared it to the first one, it's a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah. They did a really good job. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to go with a 70. 70? Yeah. So I remember seeing it at one point, but I can't remember what it is. So the number that's in my head, I can't remember if it's right or if it's just my guess. Okay. But I'm going to say 86. I was going to go with 90. Okay. 79. 
Is that exactly what you said? I said 70. 70. 79. All right. There you go. Dang. 76 is the audience score. Cool. Wow. I figured it'd be a little higher. I don't know. Hmm. What was that? It's pretty high for a horror movie. It is. They don't usually, they don't usually come out fresh these no. days. Outside of your hereditaries and your get outs. And your quiet places. I don't remember what the original places. one was. But I guess it's kind of... They didn't have Rotten Tomatoes at the time, so it's kind of whatever. Oh, it's not working, so that's good. Um, yeah. I've enjoyed this series. I know that we didn't do them all, but there's too many. It's been a nice little October funness. Yeah, I thought for sure I'd get sick of any movie this long, but I have not gotten sick. I've not only not gotten sick of Halloween as of this, our final Halloween recording, but I also think I have a new favorite Halloween season movie. Yeah. I think I never really gave much thought to ha- Halloween before this, and now I can't imagine not watching it yeah. during Halloween season. I think this is one that I'll revisit every year. Uh, now, this movie in general, or? The-, uh, the the original, and it's one sequel. Sure. <laughs> okay. All right. This one, That's yes. That's fair enough. That's fair enough, because like, I don't think I could do... I can't do all those other movies. No, I can't do all those, but I re- I respect their place mm-hmm. in the in the franchise. I'm glad most of them exist because it kept this going for so long. I don't know how much of it could have sustained itself without some of those movies. And I you know I'm glad that it helped build this huge following that it has now. Because mm-hmm. for every movie that sucks, there's people that love that movie. And that movie that sucks may be that may be the movie that got someone into it. Yeah. So I respect it's each each one of their places except for Resurrection. <laughs> that one was really bad. What yeah. about the Rob but Zombie? somehow, like I said, it's still not but as some, bad as Rob Zombie. I didn't. I don't like that movie at all. But some people really do. Which one? Zombie. Well, the oh. Rob Zombie. And that also seeing seeing Rob Zombie's Halloween may have made someone go back and watch the originals. Who knows? Yeah. I, uh, you okay. can almost guarantee that happens. Okay. So I respect each of their places in in the history of, of horror cinema. Uh, I really respect what the original movie did to the horror genre. Mm-hmm. And now I need to get it on Blu-ray. Sure. <laughs> and watch it again. I'm already excited to watch it again next year. I would wait till after Halloween. That was Why it's not Christmas decorations? I know, but it's like not how movies work. But like after after that, the prices on it drop. No, they don't. Yes, they do. There's not there's not a Halloween movie fifty percent off sale on November first. Yeah, but right after Halloween, right after Halloween, nobody wants it anymore. Oh my god! It's just you can like, get good deals on candy. On candy, but not on a Halloween movie. Yeah. A movie is just a movie. It's not like I'm buying pumpkin heads. <laughs> like they have to get rid of all their pumpkin stock so they're like here they're 50 percent off it's not how dvds work <laughs> some do speaking of other well, movies, you've broken my brain speaking of other <laughs> if you find it half off after halloween you let me know okay you, yeah. if you find it half off after halloween i'll buy all three of us a copy well hot damn so there's your mission but it has to be half off I'm not made of money. <laughs> uh, we got to pick a new franchise. It's been Neat. a while since we've had to do that. Neat. So before Halloween, we had Cars. It's been like two months. Yeah. It transitioned right into Halloween. Wow. I mean, obviously, Cars is the horror movie genre of the Pixar franchise. Oh, my God. Uh, so It is we, a horror movie. Then we transitioned into the Halloween franchise, which we picked because uh, Halloween is uh, October is a Halloween horror genre month. But now, is it a gotta pick new. It's a horror. A okay. new series. What if we land on a horror? Yeah. Well, then we won't. So <laughs> we land on like Saw. Uh, let's see. The first one that I got is a one thirty-two. We have one hundred forty-three movies or one hundred forty-two. Uh, one thirty-two Madagascar. Veto. Mm, okay. Sixty-six. That sounds so oh, shit. so weak to do that. You know I'm, what I mean? Yeah. I'm so excited because I know this is going to have a good reaction. Then say it! Fifty Shades. Oh. It did not have the reaction I thought it was going to have. I'm looking at you because you have said steadfastly that you do not want to do those movies. 
Can I make a suggestion? Yes. You're going to say the same thing you said about cars. Just get it out of the way. Is that you, what you were going to say? You could do that, but here's something else I would say, though. Wait till Valentine's Day. Wait till Valentine's Day. <laughs> we don't know if it's going to pop up. It's popped up now. That's what she said, and it's applicable to but this we movie hold, genre. We can hold popped it off up. just like what we did with Halloween. Now, there's not enough movie franchises to designate for Valentine's Day. I don't want to do it, Vito. <laughs> I don't want to do it. 116, it's I don't want to me. disgrace Halloween by following it up with that. Oh, man. We've got real bad movies. Great. Babe. Well, either you're the one who has to decide that. Uh, I would babe. absolutely veto it, but I already used mine. The first babe is pretty good. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm going to veto it. Okay. So this is the one that we got to do. Oh, fuck. 52. I hope it's good. I'm nervous. Okay, it's not bad. Kick ass. Okay. Oh, done. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's only, there's only two of those. Yep, there's only two of those, and at least the first one's good. The second one is interesting. I haven't seen it, but I know Jim Carrey's in it. Yeah. Uh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm excited, then. All right. And, and I feel like that's a good one to come out of. It's kind of a darker, weird, funny superhero movie, a little obscure. Well, we all right. I think so. Yeah. yeah. All right, then. I think that wraps us up for this week and this month. Uh, that was our f- that was our first ever whole m- dedicated like specialty series. Yeah. So I think we did all right there. Mm-hmm. I think we did pretty good. Yeah. If I do say so myself. We're learning how to do this stuff. Uh, we've been doing it so long that I almost feel weird getting back into the swing of things mm-hmm. and doing things the normal way. Uh, you can find us online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod and on Instagram. Just search so many sequels pod. We are available to listen on Apple uh, podcasts. Google Play Music, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can tell all your friends and fam to find us there. Share our links and stuff and uh, leave us reviews on some of those things. Uh, Apple Podcasts and I don't know if Spotify does reviews. But if they do, you should do a review and a rating. Um, That's it. That's all we got. Until next time. This one doesn't suck. So Many Sequels is hosted and produced by Josh Gammon, Garrett Powders, and Andrew Nichols. Editing was done by me, Josh. Our theme song is by Justin Mayer. Please check us out online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod. So Many Sequels is a production of the OK Connection, celebrating the people, music, places, and events of Oklahoma.